Hey friends, welcome to the fourth episode of the Chris Pete Cast. Uh, I'm going to keep this up, uh, this intro pretty short. Um, before we get into it, I just want to explain something real quick. The episode was too long in its entirety to be uploaded in one piece, um, so uh, it is cut into two sections that are both about 40 minutes long. I apologize if uh, that's annoying to anybody that you have to listen to it in two parts, but uh, I didn't want to cut any of the content because I, I really liked uh, everything that we talked about. So um, in, in order to bring it all to you, I wanted to um, just cut it up into two sections to make sure that we didn't have to lose anything. Um, the other thing is that if you like what you are hearing, please take a minute, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. That helps uh, get us in the algorithm. It'll help more people find this show and uh, help more people participate in the conversation that we're having. Uh, quick uh, things that I probably need to say, which is that the song you're hearing underneath this is uh, called Waking Up by Explosions in the Sky. And last week's song was uh, People Running by Jax Mannequin. I'll probably change the song up uh, every week just based on how I'm feeling. So uh, with, with that being said, uh, I'll send you over to the episode. Uh, as always, if you have feedback, get in touch with me and enjoy episode four with Jeremy Johnson. Yeah, um, but nothing, nothing like just an open-ended, yeah. free-flowing conversation. It is a little uh, intimidating for me as a as an interviewer to have yeah. to be like, okay, what are like, where are we going? And yeah. I've had those moments in some of these previous where I'm like, oh, I have no idea yeah. like, what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not getting it. I'm not finding the thread yeah, yeah, to go yeah, with. Yeah. Like, it happens. So cool. Alrighty. Well, I am. I clicked record a minute ago. I'm sitting in uh, Jeremy Johnson's office in West Des Moines. Um, this will be episode four, I believe, of the Chris B. cast. So everybody welcome. Jeremy's here. Um, Jeremy, tell us uh, what you do, and then we'll talk about who you are. Oh, man, I am a pastor at Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, spend nearly all of my time here at our West Des Moines campus. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been here? I've been here uh, this this August will be seven years that I've been here. I started my first year was an internship, uh, came as an intern, expected to stay 10 months, uh, <laughs> had no plans. Uh, I was a kid from the north, wanted to be uh, Minneapolis or north of that. Uh, my wife is from six miles south of Canada, so for us, this was the uh, near the equator almost, and we had no <laughs> intention on sticking around. Um, but then about halfway through my internship, uh, Pastor Mike actually had asked if uh, we felt called to be here, and we spent quite a bit of time trying to determine, is this God where you're, where you're calling us? Mm-hmm. And uh, almost seven years later, we were still here, and we, yeah. feel, we couldn't feel more uh, certain that God has us here. So. I remember. I think that would have, we would have overlapped a little yep. at that yep. point. We, yeah. Uh, I had come and you you were doing immersion stuff. I was. That's and right. I uh, I had just a couple times that internship year. I think twice during that internship year, uh, I preached at immersion. So yeah, just yeah, we must have because I, I I remembered. Um, yeah. yeah, for everybody listening. So the way that I know Jeremy is that uh, I used to work out here at Lutheran Church of Hope um, before I joined the Navy. I did worship things here, and Jeremy's. I think we're, I think it was just when you were an intern yeah, that I was yeah, gone after yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how we know each other. So. Yeah. Uh, so now then, the big question, yeah. the biggest question perhaps, yeah. <laughs> um, who do you believe you are, Jeremy? That, I, I think, as a, as a preface to that, <clears throat> I think that there's different tenets to that, that answer. I mean, I think that the answer that, um, that I'll give, that I think most of the people that are listening expect, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of dismiss it after that, because you're like, one... Um, 
that you, you have to say that or two that's the that's just the right thing to say and that and that answer is who who am I is yeah I'm I'm a child of God mm-hmm. and um, but but the other tenet to that is I, I don't say that just in some sort of uh, trite cliche way because somehow that that sounds better or it, it sounds uh, that it's gonna keep me in my position as mm-hmm. a pastor more or more securely but I say that because of the way in which, uh, I wrestled with that for a long time. I didn't go to seminary until uh, I was in my late twenties. Um, okay. I grew up in a house uh, that was faith was very central. Also, my parents. My dad is a senior pastor of a large church, mm-hmm. um, and my parents very were, were very. Um, they were very gracious in the way that they allowed us to, to grow up, and they realized the complexity of being the uh, being a child of a of a person who was. Uh, a prominent faith figure in the community. And so uh, in that, from an early age, people just started telling me, and I don't know why, I had a, I have an older brother and older sister, and one of the funny things uh, that my mom will say is that uh, people used to always ask my mom, well, Kirk, who's my, my brother, who's the oldest, well, will Kirk be a pastor? And my mom used to always say, no, he's way too nice. And I always say to my mom, like, well, what do you what say that about mean? me? But she just said there, there was a... Uh, there, there was an aspect about his his demeanor that he um, that 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 in ministry sometimes there there is so much public opinion that mm-hmm. happens, uh, but but I so from an early age people always kind of uh, thought or said to me that this is what I would do, um, and I think that 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 terrified me mm-hmm. because inside of my own mind uh, I didn't feel. Uh, not only to, to be in ministry, but just in many areas of life, I just didn't feel like I was good enough. Mm. And so for me, uh, I, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. Um, I'm also highly competitive. Yeah. So you do any type of personality test, I'm so competitive uh, that uh, I was just always scared that I, I was going to fail. You know, mm-hmm. collegiate sports, I I imploded the, the possibility of doing that because I... I, I, I went out, I was going to play, and then I, I quit because I was just scared that I all of a sudden I wouldn't be the best. Yeah, yeah. And so this whole notion of, of, of who, who am I, um, that to me is, a, is, a, is an incredibly complex question mm-hmm. uh, that I think, especially, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the end of my 30s now, I'm 39, mm-hmm. uh, but I think people who are in their 20s and 30s especially this is a question that we yeah. just are, are, are asking ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something that scares us so much that it paralyzes yeah. us. Don't you think that people, because I think what scares people is that when you ask it and then you really start down the road of finding the answers yeah. to it, what ends up happening is you arrive at a place that's a lot different than what you come in and think, like, this is probably who I am. Uh, I'll go look for evidence of that, or I'll, yeah. and then what happens is you don't find any. You go, oh, maybe I'm not that person. Maybe I'm somebody totally different. That's kind of that's scary. Yeah, and and it's interesting. I was reading something. This was a couple, probably three or four years ago, uh, and they were talking about uh, at, the, at the turn of the century, not the not not the year 2000, but in the 1900s. That's when we started talking about adolescence for the mm. first time. So up until that time, uh, if you were a child you would typically do what your parents did. Yeah. So uh, boys would, would work alongside their fathers, and so school ended early at a young age. 
uh, for most kids because that there just wasn't the ability to do that. Uh, girls would work alongside their mothers, mm-hmm. um, and basically your lot in life was cast for you. So there, this ability of choice didn't even come about. Yeah. Well, then as as culture started and society started to go in a different direction, kids were in school longer. And now they have the ability to choose. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I may not want to do what my parents do. And so uh, this t- this period of age, the 13, 14, when kids were now, before that, were, were doing what their parents did. Now they're determining what they're going to do. And so this adolescence was this weird period of time of this coming of age, mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. Well, now we we see that that coming of age is happening again in, in our 20s and oh, 30s. Oh, yeah, for sure. So people are getting married later, if at all. People are uh, are, 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 are changing their career six to seven mm-hmm. times. And so I think there's also, along with what you said, like this might not be what I expected it to be, but it's also saying, I don't know if I want to commit to it yet. Yeah. Because yeah. commitment is scarier than anything else in the world. Because mm-hmm. once I say yes to something, what happens if I change my mind? Because now we're changing our mind on things all the time. Yeah. And it's just, to me, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Started. I I taught high school English for a while. Mm-hmm. I was an admissions counselor at a college for a while. I did youth and young adult ministry for a while. Then mm-hmm. I went to seminary. It's like uh, it, all of a sudden, you know, now being here seven years, it's like my goodness. For me, because of my track record, this has felt like a lifetime. Now, yeah. thank God, I, I I'm 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 settled settled in that more. So now it's not so scary. Mm-hmm. Now it just feels natural. Did you? So when you went to college, you didn't have any inclination to become to go into ministry or go to seminary. No, I I think in the back of my mind, I think I I, I think there's a part of me that that knew that, but I ran from yeah. that. Um, you were joning it, man. Yeah, like running away from exactly. It. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to find out who I was apart apart from my parents because I was always Pastor Dave's kid. Sure. Yeah. And I needed to figure out well who's Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what I what I what I wanted to do is I wanted to work with people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to teach because that that would allow me to coach. Um, and so that, that, that teaching wasn't like my life's dream, mm-hmm. but it gave me the opportunity to be with students. And then that morphed into, you know, a year of, uh, of being an admissions counselor where I got to help kids, students figure out where they're going to go to college. Mm-hmm. And, and then that morphed into youth ministry. And then, you know, I had this whole awakening in my faith, which all of a sudden I think God finally uh, gave the big yes of mm-hmm. who am I to the question I'd been asking yeah. for, for quite a long time. And had had a lot of bumps and bruises along the way as trying yeah. to figure that out. Sure. So what was your uh, relationship with God like during that time when you were... It was interesting. I think um, before that, I, I think I always, my belief in God never uh, was absent. Mm-hmm. But a relationship with God was entirely foreign. Yeah. Uh, remember, I was a people pleaser. I was somebody who was competitive. And so I needed, even if it was faith, I needed to win in my faith. So if I did the right things oh, and I, man, I yeah. went to church yeah. enough times and did all these things, then that would equate mm-hmm. to a winning formula. And all of a sudden I got to a point where I'm like, oh my goodness, it's not happening. Yeah. And so um, it was when I was 24, 25 years old. I'll never forget. I woke up. Um, I woke up, it was my birthday, um, and I woke up and I remember staring at the ceiling and I remember being so unhappy with who I was, yeah. uh, no failures, nothing like that. I mean, yes, there were plenty of failures, but no like 
grand moral failure. And I remember staring at the ceiling and asking myself the question, there there has to be more to life. Is there more to life? There has to be more to life than this. Mm -hmm. And I started to to realize that all of the things that I'd done to construct life had prevented me from being able to live life. Yeah, yeah. And I, there, was a, there, was a, there was a discontent in my life. And the thing that was so haunting for me was I had no, no reason to be unhappy, which to me was, was, you know, I think you could say, well, yeah, well, thank God for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you grew up in a great family and you had great experiences. And, but the reality of having been given every chance to succeed mm-hmm. and feeling like I'd messed that up. Yeah. I was like, what, what is there for me? I yeah. mean, maybe, maybe this just isn't available. And so in that, I started to think about that faith that my parents lived by that wasn't shoved down my throat. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't solely spoken to me, but it was lived out in their own life. And I started to think to myself, Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Maybe it's not all of the stuff I do. And so I kind of had this like money back uh, guarantee with God saying, God, I'll start doing things a different way. You know, bartering because that always works. Right. right? You yeah. know, bartering with God. <laughs> but all of a sudden, as I started to investigate things <clears throat> and, and to, 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 to give in to faith almost, all of a sudden things started awakening inside of me and at one point, what I thought was sacrifice was actually the biggest gift that I that I was given. And, yeah. and just, you know, it's, is my faith perfect? No, I, I, I don't have a perfect faith at all. I'm somebody who's hard-headed. My wife has the gift of faith. Mm-hmm. I, it comes a little bit more difficult for me. But um, there's just a whole different relationship with God. That, yeah. um, and I, that's the thing, I think, that, that drives me more than anybody else is because it's not like I grew up from day one saying, I want to be a pastor because mm-hmm. God's always good because I know God's always good, yeah. but I also know what life is like on the other side of that yeah. fence, so that yeah. fence of doubt or, or performance-driven Christianity, which the church... Uh, kind of can go down that road. That hits. That struck a that that st- that story strikes a big chord with me because I think that um, in a lot of ways you and I are a representation of. By the way, this is a fascinating one for me to do because I don't actually know you that well. <laughs> Everybody else I've interviewed previously, um, I had a I've had a relationship with yeah. for a long time. So it's it's interesting to me to sit careful what you get yourself into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, coming in, going like I don't really know Jeremy, yeah. but um, we I think we had similar stories in the sense that. Uh, I grew up in the church as well, in a LCMS church, like a small town Iowa yeah. one. And my mom's side of the family has, I forget now, three or four LCMS pastors okay. on that side. It was never said to me, but I remember um, growing up having the feeling that I was like, I think I'm going to be a pastor. Like, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do, you know, um, and knew a lot about it. I could tell you a lot of things about yeah. Lutheranism, you know what I mean? And uh, I could tell you... Uh, and then went to college, studied academically, thought that that was the point where uh, everything like changed. I was like, oh, now I really understand it. Yeah. But I spent a lot of years trying to understand God instead of having a relationship yep. with God. Yep. And yep. I think in what you just said, it sounds to me like it was something similar, which is that like there's a big difference between those two things. Yep. I could stand in front of, and I was worship leading, and I was even working here during that yep. time. Um, I could really. I was real good at making it look like I yeah. had a real, true relationship with God, but I don't think I did. I think I. I, I never doubted once that God existed, but uh, I don't. I didn't let it matter. I didn't let it make a difference. Yeah. I, I didn't let it impact anything I did. And it wasn't until um, 
after Af- after I came home from Afghanistan in 2013, and then uh, you probably wouldn't yeah, know this yeah. about me, but um, I had some depression and anxiety things and, mm-hmm. that I've been really battling the last couple of years. And it's only recently, like within the last year, that I've been reading a lot of things and really hit some things that have really, the gospel is now changing things yeah. in a way that feels very authentic. Yeah. But that's taken, I'm almost 30 years old, it's taken that long. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's interesting that you say that. Um and I don't, for, for what it's worth, because I, this is a thing that's so on my heart, um, anxiety was a huge part of my story, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, a couple different times where it hit me in a way that I just never had anticipated that it, it would hit me. And not just like, oh, I was just kind of worrying about stuff. No, I, I couldn't imagine not worrying about yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like I was scared of my own shadow. Yep. And it was like somebody had opened up a trap door in my life, and I felt like I was in a free fall. Mm-hmm. And everything, it was just like things things moved so so fast. And and, and it was it was exhausting because I felt like, like you said, I felt like I was trying to have to keep everything. You know, it was like all these plates were spinning on these spindles. Yeah. And it felt like every single one of them was losing all of its momentum and was going to fall mm-hmm. uh, simultaneously. And it just, uh, it really, I, I don't know if I've ever been un- as unhappy as I was at that point. Wow, yeah. And it, that was, you know, that was in that place where I'm thinking to myself, man, and I don't even have anything to complain about. Mm-hmm. What's what's wrong with me? And I think it's really, it's it's a really hard place to be but I also unfortunately think it's a very uh, shared experience that more people have than are able to they don't have a place to talk about it yeah. nobody's giving them language for I it I totally agree with yeah. that yeah uh, that's part of what I hope why I talk I speak so openly about it now yeah. because I want people to know like you can just sit down and tell people or yeah. you can talk to me or that's why I do this partially yeah, because exactly. that comes up quite a bit stuff like that and yeah. I think it's it's part of this that's resonated with people is just hearing there's now there's two more people they they know that they're like oh those guys too you know? well, and by and large people who listen to podcasts are usually uh, on the creative bent of mm-hmm. the spectrum yeah which is people who are most likely to deal with anxiety or depression because mm-hmm. why because those people who live in that creative world our brain has the ability to create things Mm -hmm. and sometimes we create a reality that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's well said. That's absolutely true. And so in that, our brain unintentionally doesn't know how to, how to discern between reality and the things that we've started, a a reality that we've created that doesn't exist yet. So you start to say, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Then this, and all of a sudden you're living five years down the road that you haven't even taken the first step yep, yep. and you, you create this and it, that for me uh, was 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 a very freeing truth to find out and it was okay to go to somebody and get help for mm-hmm. it yeah I, I same for me and it's very much a um, it's been for me part of getting over that is because that's well articulated and part of getting over that for me has just been be in this moment. Yep. Don't think about all those other things. Be present in this moment. Yeah. Where are you? Look at the things that are around you. It's something I learned in therapy, I guess. Yeah. But they said, you know, look at things. The thing you're touching, how does it feel? What yep. temperature is it? List as many things about yep. it as you can. Get your feet on the floor. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, ground yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's some... I'm very curious about mindfulness meditation because it keeps yeah. coming up kind of organically. This yeah. I'm like, it's something I think I should look at. But Yeah. Um, you said something earlier that... Uh, that I wanted to ask you about because I had a very similar moment. I uh, after 
Afghanistan, and then I, when I was in Afghanistan, I found out my grandmother passed away, which was my last grandparent. Yeah. Um, and those that time was very tumultuous. Um, but I had a sense that entire time that, uh, boy, it's supposed to things are supposed to be better than they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I have come to describe as the tension between. Uh, I, I would say to you the tension between uh, our, those are we knowing what heaven is because yeah. it's in yeah. us that, yeah. that relationship that community yeah. that kind of perfection is in us we have a sense of what that's supposed to be like and then there's the way the world is yeah. and we see we can feel that tension yeah. and I think we don't feel it anywhere greater than in like tragedy yeah. or, uh, in, or in suffering I'm curious uh, to hear you say more about the, the moment you're sitting there going there must be more than this yeah. was that a sense you think you always had or because it doesn't sound like any one big thing Happen no, to make you. I um, I think, yeah, I, I think you 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 spoke it uh, uh, just so clearly, and you hit it on the head. Is the the tension between maybe 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 not just how you know intrinsically how it should be, but you also see it lived out in the people that you you really respect and admire the most, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think. Uh, there, there were those people in my life, not just my parents, but definitely my parents, that it seemed that there was a a, a, a piece that was there inside of them yeah. uh, that I wanted to know, why in the world can I get that? I mean, and what, what do I do? What do I need to do? Again, I, that performance and what do I need to do to obtain that? And, and then it, it was also the fear of... Um, people figuring out that I didn't have it all together. Mm-hmm. And so it it was it was kind of it came from both sides, not just seeing what I wanted and knowing what I wanted that that heaven on earth uh, that reality, but also wanting to portray an image to other people because my life had been lived kind of publicly um wanting to fool them and so it felt like my life was two yeah. parallel roads that would never intersect there was there was the Jeremy that I wanted everybody to know mm-hmm. uh, and then there was the Jeremy that I inherently knew <laughs> and those mm-hmm. that that was kind of like trying to, to, to keep that and that tension was always there mm-hmm. and it was interesting um, Martin Luther wrote uh, this uh, he wrote so many books but in mm-hmm. one of his books uh, he writes about uh, how how do we how do we become right with God, and that's where I think those two worlds collide. Is it's and so Luther uses this really churchy word as, as righteousness, and some people right now quit listening to the podcast because I said the word righteousness, <laughs> but I apologize for that. But what he said was profound. He said righteousness comes in perfect passivity, and to me that resonated with me so strongly because what he's saying. It's to become right with God, which is where we find that peace, where we find that uh, uh, the struggling or the striving can now end. Mm-hmm. That righteousness comes when I quit trying so hard. Yeah. And so it's when I quit trying to earn it or deserve it or achieve it, when I can start to be okay with the person that I am and to realize how, uh, not in an egocentric way and not in a prideful way, in a total humble way, but to to realize how wonderfully God created me mm-hmm. um, and that God finds joy in me as churchy as that sounds as cliche as that, but that's that's where it's that's where it's found and so when I started to, to really come to the realization that 
there's nothing I could do to make God love me anymore. So I needed to qu- quit trying so hard. Yeah. And there was nothing I could do to make God love me any less. Mm-hmm. So I had to quit try- <laughs> trying so hard. You know? yeah. Like yeah. I could just be. Yeah. And when I realized that I could just be, it allowed me to do what you were saying earlier, like to get all gain the senses around you. What, is the, what does the ground feel like under my feet? What mm-hmm. does the chair feel like under my arms? How can I be present right now mm-hmm. without having to worry about tomorrow, without having to have regret about yesterday? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Jesus says. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the the air they don't have to strive for anything yeah yet somehow they make it through and a couple weeks ago i had the opportunity to go over to haiti um and it was you know i'd I'd been in some different third world countries before and so i had seen poverty that we don't know in here um but somebody said while we were over there if those other places are called third world countries Haiti would be called or considered a fourth world country oh really Just yeah. so, po- so mm-hmm. poverty stricken and so um, I was talking to uh, a mission partner we have over there a guy by the name of Tim Brand with Many Hands for Haiti's phenomenal guy and so we were talking about this and he talked about the difference between relative poverty and absolute poverty and relative poverty is what the people uh, know, experience, and live with on a day-to-day basis. And so there's, they, there's poverty in, that's experienced in relation to one another. And mm-hmm. so in a community like that, uh, that's all that they know. Um, and so in the United States, we have relative poverty. Right. Where, you know, there, somebody, someone has less than somebody else, so they base themselves off of what another person has. But then he said there's also absolute poverty, and absolute poverty uh, comes when you just, if, if somebody doesn't step in, you aren't going to make it. There's a woman, she was in her 70s, uh, she was probably about five foot five, and I, I, would, I would be probably um, guessing on the high side if she weighed 80 pounds. Yeah. And she, her kids lived in a different community, her husband had passed away, she had nobody to support her. She was in absolute poverty. If somebody doesn't step in, and help her with food and help her uh, repair her home, uh, she was going to die. But in that, where I was trying to go with this, is that there was a wealth that they had that I think a lot of us miss. Mm. Because they're, um, they're not wasting too much time worrying about five days from now, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. They're not wasting so much time trying to establish their career yeah. so they so so they sacrifice their relationships. Yeah. I mean the first thing I did when I got home uh, was I, I you know I, I just wanted to I just wanted to be able to talk to my wife mm-hmm. and just be like who cares what the schedule says about tomorrow I've been gone for a week I just want to be in a relationship who care who cares about anything I mean yeah. yes we need to work hard and we need to do what we can do uh, to do the work that God has set before us but don't give it more credit than it's worth yeah totally do yeah. do what God's created you to do but invest relationally in, in God and with other people because that's where I think true richness comes from. Mm-hmm. I mean, there it was just, I, I was just overwhelmed by the, the community that existed between, but, uh, over there, between, between people who weren't even related um, uh, by blood that weren't relatives of one another. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was striking. And I think we spend so much time trying to get to the ne- next thing. Yeah that we don't have the ability to be here today. We Righteousness comes in perfect passivity. Mm-hmm. It's not until we can sit and be that we can experience it. I, I, I totally agree with that. There, there is, 
Um, and I think I might have spoken in immersion about this like years ago, so it's funny it's coming up again. Or it, it, nothing's really changed, I guess. But there is a real sense of like, especially in America, that I think we always have to be. Um, you always feel that everybody feels like they always have to be making progress somehow, and not just progress, but like quantifiable progress. And better than everybody else. Yeah, I need to be able to tell you what I did today. Yeah. And and why it was better than what you did today, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. and and which the, the reality of it is like who cares really? Yeah, right. And you're right. Like we miss the opportunities to um, because my girlfriend and I are to do distance. A lot of the time when we get together, we don't really do much. Yeah. We just kind of do. We're just kind of together, you know. Um, and I've said to her a bunch of times, and we both agree with this. It's like because we don't get those yeah. interactions. You see somebody every day. I think it's easy to start. I don't want to accuse people of things or anything, but right. you, to to start taking for granted those relationships. You just kind of it gets to be routine. Yeah, we don't have that because it's literally not an option. Yeah, um, and I hope that we never get that way because right. it's so easy to just let those things. Um, oh, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I don't need to say, say I love you tonight. I'll see them in the morning. You know. It's, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge. Uh, maybe it's embarrassing now because it probably shows my age more than I'd like it to. Um, <laughs> but I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan. Mm-hmm. Um, followed him, saw more shows than I would ever be willing to admit. Um, but boy, I would not have pegged you. Yeah, as a Dave Man, Matthews fan, I've, I've been to 15 shows of his. Oh, um, buddy. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> probably it's really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but love his music, and he uh, he has a song called "Lie in Our Graves," and one of the refrains in it is he says, "I can't believe that we would lie in our graves, dreaming of things that we might have been, we could have been, maybe." And what the whole thing is about. Um, how are we missing the joy that... Here's how I interpret it. I don't know what he meant by it. I could <laughs> never talk to him about it. Uh, but what I hear in that, because art is about interpretation, right? right? So the way I interpret that is why would I try to get to the end of my life trying to do all these things but never having given myself the opportunity to experience them? Yeah. You know, John Mayer in his uh, song, Why Georgia... Uh, he says, I rent a room and I fill the spaces with wooden places to make it feel like home, mm-hmm. but all I feel is alone. Yep. Maybe it's just a quarter-life crisis or it's the stirring of my soul mm-hmm. that we really long for something more than to, to, to create a reality that looks perfect or yeah. looks better than anybody else's or to, to have all of these things. I mean, we, we get all of those things and all of a sudden we realize that we still have a void that exists that mm-hmm. then we're going to start to try to fill with something else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the answer that's offered to us is a lot closer sometimes than we even realize mm-hmm. it's in relationships and it's, it's, it's in, um, it's in being able, uh, to have people for lack of a better term, uh, minister to you by loving you and being able to minister to others by loving them. Yeah. Not if they agree with you, not if they believe in the same thing, but, but what Paul says in Romans 12, genuinely love people. Mm-hmm. Don't love people as a project. Don't love them as an end to a means, but just love them. Mm-hmm. Be in relationship with them. Be, be, be available to one another. Mm-hmm. Don't be distant to one another. I mean, if my, my neighbor comes over and he says, hey, I, I really need to talk to, to you. And I, I say, well, hey, sorry, I, I, you know, I have all of these things to do. Well, he, maybe he's coming to me in, in, in a moment of great need and I had the opportunity to love him. But I tell everybody I really like him because I really do like yeah. him, but I don't make any time for him. Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's the love in that? Mm-hmm. And I think there is that that's and, and probably speaking too much about this, but I think that's 
what I experienced when I was in Haiti. And that was the thing that was missing in my life for so long yeah. is being able, you know, wh- what is, what does God want more than anything else? Love God and love others. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And I think when those things kind of start to come into the crosshairs, we start to experience that life that we've been created yeah. to live. And, and, and people may say, well, it just seems too easy. Well, it's not easy because we're human. Right. But uh, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, we don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Yes, we have bills to pay and we have things to do, all of that stuff. I mean, I don't think we should all... Utopia doesn't exist. Right, right. But I think that sometimes we put more effort into the things that don't last and we don't put enough... Uh, of our time and energy into the things that 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 will last. Yeah, to happily spend, you know, um, this is a small example, but I, it, this last semester in school, I just got lost in all the things I was doing. I was say, and I was saying no to people when they were like, "Let's do something," "Let's hang out," which isn't something I usually do. Yeah, um, and I was getting unhappy and it took some walking back of that to realize, like, oh, it's because I've been saying no to sitting down with people yeah. to going out one night. You know what? You, I go out one night. It's not going to, yeah. I'm not going to fail school because yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. But you get lost in all that stuff because in my mind I'm going, I have to do all these classes because I'm applying to grad school. I have to get into grad school the first time, like doing the thing we were just talking about, walking everything two, three years down the road going, well, if I want to be a PA in three years yeah. or whatever, I have to do well yeah. in this class yeah. right now. And if I don't, the whole thing, the legs will come out from yeah. under the entire operation. Yeah. And so that means that if I say yes to going to dinner with you tonight, then I won't be able to study for three hours and the whole thing will come apart. Yeah. It's not true, but in the moment, I'm like, nope, that's what will happen. It'll yeah. never, you won't convince me otherwise in the moment. You know? And usually when you can prioritize and you can give yourself good margin and boundaries, usually you can, you can, you can do both. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we, we also say yes to so many other things that we aren't able to say yes to the, the good things. Like it would be really awful for me to show up to, to, to worship on a Sunday and to get up in front of people and say, really didn't spend much time on my sermon because I'm too caught in, you know, in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, that ship don't float. So there are some people saying, yeah, that's just pie in the sky theology. No, it's, you still need to do what you're called to do. And you still and God has given you those callings and given you those gifts. And so he still calls you to employ them. Mm-hmm. But we also have to, we have to strike some sort of a balance in the midst of yeah. it. And I think that's where... Um, and I think sometimes we probably the, the balance tips in the way of relationships and that's mm-hmm. when we have to readjust and put some more time into mm-hmm. to whatever our vocation is and sometimes we put more time into to what we what we do for our careers or our jobs or our student or our school or whatever and then we have to kind of strike that balance yeah. between work play and relationships and for people like you and me I think it's easy for us to, to justify in our minds spending way too much time getting coffee with people yeah, yeah. and and it or I, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. it sounds as though like I, cause to me, I would just, I can go the other way yeah. very easily. Well, and that's interesting because I, I, I speak in a way that I want it to be, but I'm, I'm highly introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, if you were to talk to my wife, I probably tip the scales too much on needing to get stuff done mm-hmm. on, on work. And so this is something, maybe I'm speaking, um, not, 
so much as this is the this is the harmony I found in life. Yeah. But this is the harmony I'm trying to yeah. experience. In it's life. one of those tensions you've yeah. identified. Yeah. yeah. You bet. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to make that a thing, by the way. The tensions thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a good job of it. Oh, yeah. thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm branding. It's yeah, gonna be, right. be yeah. my book. Everybody look for it. When I, uh, yeah. Think yeah of more than little, one thing to say about a little it. circled C next to it. You know, you copyright it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The uh, verbal copyright. Yeah. Exactly. Thing, right? Yeah. Um, so you consider yourself to be introverted. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, that, yeah, I, so it's, I, private's the wrong word mm-hmm. because I'm very forthcoming. Uh, but large groups of people, uh, medium groups of people f- freak me out. So, uh, I, I tend to be the person who, uh, kind of, uh, is less, uh, heard and more and seen more I just mm-hmm. I would rather uh, if I'm if we're going out with a group of friends usually I'm the one that says the least which um, you know my my, my, my wife has a, a, a large family um, you know all of her cousins live in the same town and so when you go when we go to her hometown you were inundated kind of with people all the time and and my mother-in-law thinks it's uh, just hilarious because I spend so much of my time in front of lots of people mm-hmm. um, and in, in, in constantly relating to people. Um, and so when I get away from it, usually I'm, I'm, I'm just really, really quiet. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think at the beginning she would always, she just couldn't make sense of it. She's like, you spend your time with how many people and then we, we get you in a group of 25 people and, and you hardly say a word. And That's that, interesting. Yeah. I, but, but being an introvert, I recharge mm-hmm. um, by having that time to be able to. So for me, uh, quiet time is, is huge. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an avid runner. I mm-hmm. love to run. And running is one of those things that I get to do where I just get to recharge. And yep. I, get to, I get to have that quiet time. I get to have that, that, uh, that, that kind of that me yeah. time. Um, and also, um, I, I just want to be with my wife and my kids, mm-hmm. um, and that's energy giving to me. And mm-hmm. so if we have a week where we're, we're with people almost every night, or even if we're with people, you know, three out of the seven nights in a week, I just really start to, uh, get a, get a little bit hesitant about that because I, that's just so much, yeah. so much communal time, yeah. but at the same time. Uh, I know that it's it's good for me. So, as an introvert, I I don't have twenty really good friends. I have like three great friends. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so, like mm-hmm. after work today, uh, one of my good friends and I were we're getting together at five. Just you know, just to have a quick bite to eat together. Mm-hmm. You know, he has two, he has three kids. We have two kids. But but for us, that time to do once a month that we can set that aside for one another yeah. is hugely important. Mm-hmm. It, it helps each other. It 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 helps our families uh, because we need to have that community, that yeah. relationship where we can uh, invest with invest in one another. Yeah, definitely. That's it. See, again, you know, you and I are very similar, which yeah. is, it, as I'm, I'm discovering just now. Everyone's discovering it with us. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Um, I think it would surprise people to know. And if you're not somebody that's ever been to this church, uh, just for the sake of context, yeah. it's very large. Yeah. Um, several thousand people typically go through here on a weekend. Um, so it would surprise a lot of people to know yeah. that you describe yourself that way, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm going to write public speaking now because I do want to talk to you about that. Um, but that uh, I consider myself, almost everything you just said, I consider 
to be true for myself yeah. as well. Um, I have to find that time. Like the like running, which I'm doing again because I have a half marathon coming up in July. Oh, but cool. um, like. I can go work out at the fire stations in Western One because I'm a paramedic for them. And I love it when there's nobody else there. Yep. Because that's a time that I get to myself. Yeah. Um, I, I hear you. But at the same time, I, I sometimes worry, like, I'm not, maybe I'm not going out enough. Like, yeah. maybe I'm not yeah. seeing yeah. people yeah. enough. Yeah. And I have gone, again, in the other direction where I'll, I've isolated for too long. Yeah. Um, and then I, that I, I've been able to identify with myself. That's when I'll start to get depressed. Yeah. So I have to walk. Yep. you know a balance between and I don't think anybody really meets the introverted extrovert criteria exactly, exactly probably yeah. but yep.